Welcome to Reinventing Professionals, a podcast hosted by industry analyst Ari Kaplan, which shares ideas, guidance, and perspectives from market leaders shaping the next generation of legal and professional services. This is Ari Kaplan, and I'm speaking today with David Perla, the co-chief operating officer at Burford Capital, a leading provider of capital to the legal market. David was the co-founder of Pangea 3, which Thomson Reuters acquired in 2010. Hi, David. How are you? I'm great, Ari. Thanks for having me, as always. Oh, it's a privilege. I'm really excited for our conversation. Tell us about your background and your role at Burford Capital. I am the co-chief operating officer at Burford Capital, a role that I took on alongside my counterpart, Aviva Will, at the beginning of 2020, so just prior to COVID. In that capacity, Aviva and I oversee all of the front-end functions of Burford. So that includes our underwriting function, our business development and origination function, marketing, uh, policy and ethics, and our asset recovery business, which we operate on a global basis. And so that puts Aviva and I in a position of really talking to clients every day and figuring out how to solve problems for corporate legal departments and for law firms around the world. Burford Capital recently released its Legal Asset Report, which surveyed finance professionals from around the world. What was the biggest surprise in the findings? The biggest surprise for us was the magnitude of the opportunity that finance officers and GCs have if they can figure out how to apply the same financial rigor towards legal that they do to other parts of the business. So the real standout statistic, Ari, was if you look at what we call leaving money on the table, there's an enormous percentage of corporations leaving tens of millions of dollars on the table. So we call out, generally speaking, about half of companies surveyed leave over $20 million in unenforced judgment on the table. But when you get to larger corporations, that number jumps up to 75% of companies have $20 million or more in unenforced judgments. And nearly a third of large companies have over $50 million in unenforced judgment. So they've gone to the trouble of going to enforce their rights and actually getting a judgment Yet a third of large companies have $50 million or more of judgments that they don't even enforce because the cost of doing so is believed to deter them. And that's an area we think we can really help them. And we were surprised by that order of magnitude. You mentioned conducting several studies per year. What motivated the company to invest in this particular research? Over time, the legal capital business has migrated from a business in which the primary driver of our business went from law firms to corporations themselves. So in the early days of the industry, in we were founded in 2009. So from 2009 forward, the majority of the business was driven by law firms. The law firms would come to us either with a client that wanted to hire a law firm and the law firm couldn't offer a contingency fee or the law firm couldn't offer an alternative fee arrangement. And the client usually was not impecunious, usually just wanted to use financing as a way of, of hiring a law firm of choice. 
but the introduction came from the law firm. Law firms also came to us to finance portfolios. So law firms that do in fact offer alternative fees or, or contingency arrangements would come to us to help them de-risk their business, to take some risk out of offering a contingent practice. Over time, corporations began coming to us and others in the industry directly, so much so that by the end of 2020, if you look at our annual report, you know, we're a public company, a majority of our portfolio now, majority of, of the committed capital that we have out in the marketplace is actually directly with corporations as opposed to law firms. One of the things we know about that is when we deal directly with corporations, while the general counsel and the head of litigation are very often our entry point, every corporation we deal with of substance before they enter into an arrangement with a capital provider will involve their CFO or someone very senior in the finance department. And so it became very important for us to understand what CFOs understood about our business and how they viewed us in many respects relative to their other capital providers, relative to their commercial banks and their investment banks, how did they think about a Burford Capital? And so we, for the first time, conducted research with financial officers as opposed to people that you would traditionally think of as being in the legal world. How do CFOs view affirmative recovery and legal cost management programs? It's really interesting. A vast majority of corporations, large and small, have affirmative recovery programs, and a vast majority, unsurprisingly, have legal cost management programs. What surprised us was the degree to which those CFOs thought those programs needed improvement. And as I mentioned earlier, the other surprise was the larger companies actually to a greater degree, thought those programs needed improvement. So they recognized that legal claims are assets and that they could you know, create a flow of cash. And they recognized that legal costs could be managed, but they want those programs improved. Yet on the other hand, they, in many respects, indicated that they don't feel they have the tools to optimize those recovery programs, and to a somewhat lesser extent, the tools to optimize those cost management programs. How does the research highlight the way corporations use legal finance? So I think it really does highlight that corporations are using legal finance. They understand it can help them in two respects. We think of the business as having both a balance sheet element and a P&L element. I'll start with the P&L element. That's the cost management side of, of the business. So corporations understand that in order to manage costs, if a corporation wants to undertake litigation, legal finance can be used as a tool to take out some of that cost, to de-risk or to have someone else, in our case, Burford Capital, assume the cost of that litigation, assume the risk of loss on a non-recourse basis. On the balance sheet side of the business, corporations also are looking to generate cash, and they understand that legal finance providers can monetize either claims or judgments that they have, and therefore create a balance sheet asset that is cash. What the research indicated, however, was the CFOs don't necessarily fully understand all the tools at their disposal. So much so, I mentioned quantitative analysis, don't 
most CFOs at large companies in particular don't acknowledge or, or don't even fully appreciate that quantitative modeling takes place at every legal capital provider globally. And so because they're unable to do it, they make the assumption that it can't be done. And so one of the things that's highlighted for us is that we need to educate those finance professionals about how we model litigation outcomes, how we model the duration of litigation, and how, in fact, we can predict cash flows. So one of the interesting things, Ari, was while CFOs believe that legal claims are, are an asset, they don't believe that they can predict the cash flows, the timing of the cash flows or the amount of those cash flows. In fact, that's exactly what we have to do every time we underwrite a case. So I mentioned that Aviva and I oversee underwriting. That is the core of the business. Is, does the case have merit? What are the risks in the case? What's the likelihood of, of that case prevailing? But also, how long will it take? And what are the likely financial outcomes? And when will they pay? That is the core of what a capital provider in the legal industry does, yet CFOs don't fully appreciate that's what we do. And so we have a little bit of an education in front of us with those CFOs. How would you characterize the relationship between corporate finance and corporate legal? We would characterize that relationship as one where the finance department, overseen by the CFO, has significant influence over the legal department, that's not surprising. We spend a lot of our time talking to GCs. You already know plenty of general counsel around the world. Every one of them would agree that the finance department has a high degree of influence. So that relationship, I would say, is, is a productive one and a strong one, but it is also one in which we found that CFOs were not translating the tools they have at their disposal for financial analysis and the tools they use in the other areas of their business for use with the legal department. And so that while they were helping legal departments oversee their recovery programs, helping legal departments oversee their cost management programs, they, to a large degree, weren't employing the same financial tools and the same financial discipline over those programs that they do elsewhere in the business. And again, to our surprise, the degree to which they weren't doing so went up the bigger the corporation. And I think we expected to see that larger corporations would be more likely to employ financial tools towards their cost management programs and their affirmative recovery programs. What we found was the opposite. They were less likely to do that. And in some respects, they were somewhat more deferential to the legal department and the GC about how those programs work. And what we see is a real opportunity to have finance collaborate with legal, not to control legal or in any way unduly influence legal, but to collaborate with legal to bring those financial tools to bear in the same way that we at Burford have brought them to bear on all of the litigations we underwrite and that we help uh, provide capital towards to do that internally towards their recovery programs and their cash management programs. This is Ari Kaplan speaking with David Perla, the co-chief operating officer at Burford Capital, a leading provider of capital to the legal market. David, thanks so very much. Thank you, Ari. Pleasure as always. Thank you for listening to the Reinventing Professionals podcast. Visit ReinventingProfessionals.com or AriKaplanAdvisors.com to learn more.